Well, the big find is a very, very, very fun day. I hope that you can be a part of it. And before I dive in today, I actually want to tell you about some really exciting news, give you a little bit of a Soul City family update. Many of you know Kurt Duggleby, who is the director of Next Steps and Connections, and Katie Duggleby, uh, who is our Soul City Kids director. On Friday morning at 1 o'clock in the morning, they gave birth to their very first baby girl, Selah May. And she came screaming into the world on her zero-day birthday, and she weighed 7 pounds, 7 ounces, 21 and a half inches long, and 100 percent precious. She is just, just adorable. We got to go over and meet her yesterday and see Kurt and Katie, and they are doing great. They are very tired, and they're going to get more tired. <laughs> so we are just so excited about, about Salem May, and we can't wait for her to be upstairs at Soul City Kids, and Kurt can't wait to draft her for the parking team. So uh, <laughs> they are very excited uh, that they have been adding to the growth of Soul City Church, literally. So over the past two weeks, we have been looking at the very real struggle of fear and the struggle of hurry and how these struggles are real in our lives. We looked at how fear has this way of kind of borrowing and taking a future possibility and making it a present reality in our life. That in this struggle with fear, it's not a struggle against fear, but it's a struggle for trust. When we looked at hurry last week, we actually looked at how hurry is oftentimes like worry in motion in our lives. And that the struggle is not a struggle against hurry, but that it is a struggle for rhythm. And today, as we conclude this series, I want to look at where a life of fear and a life of hurry leave us. I want to look at the end destination when we settle for fear and when we settle for hurry. And I don't know about you, um, I don't know what you do when you feel scared or when you feel overwhelmed. Um, for me, when I feel scared or when I feel overwhelmed or something is weighing me down, honestly, I just want that thing to go away. When I feel fear, I just want it to go away. I don't know if this is what happens to you, but when there's like a major decision in my life and there's lots of odds and, and there's lots of different options, you know, I kind of weigh those options and I feel myself on a teeter-totter of if I do this, this will happen. If I do that, that will happen. What happens for me is sometimes because I feel the fear of the decision, I just avoid making the decision altogether. M maybe you have found yourself in a similar situation. Maybe for you, uh, you fear conflict. Um, and, and whenever you find yourself in a, in a situation where you know you need to have a hard conversation with someone and it, and it might lead to a deeper conflict and, and you don't want to have that, sometimes what we end up doing is just kind of sidestepping our way around that conflict and around that frustration and we never see it actually go away. And if we're honest... When things get hard or when we're facing some kind of fear or, or our life feels out of control, we want comfort, don't we? I mean, when, when life is hard, when things are difficult, when the struggle is real, 
We want comfort, don't we? Uh, and if you're not going to be honest, I'm going to be honest. I want comfort when things are hard. I want comfort food when things are hard, okay? And, and my comfort food is, is like salt and sweet, okay? I, I want both of those things. I, I like the salty and the sweet, okay? And it's not just comfort food. I have comfort clothes, okay? I want my comfortable clothes. I have a pair of yoga pants, and I believe God himself made these yoga pants, okay? These pants are so good. They are the greatest pants ever made, and they are my most comfortable pants. In fact, if there was a fire in my house, I would run into my house, and I would grab those yoga pants, and then I would grab my children, okay? <laughs> those pants are very important to me, and when life is hard, guys, when, when we are in the struggle and when it is real, we want comfort, don't we? We just want things to be comfortable. And when life is a struggle, we crave comfort. And we live in a world, we live in a world that really supports our cravings, don't we? We're seduced all the time with marketing for us to get more stuff so that we'll feel more comfortable, right? If we just get this thing or we get that thing, maybe what will happen is we'll be able to push that fear away or push that worry in our life away. And that thing that we amass, that thing that we acquire will make us feel comfortable. I don't know what it is for you. Maybe you have a picture, you know, it's like it's this, it's this house that you want and, and you, you know, you just, you, you picture this house and it's what you want or maybe it's a summer home for you or, or it's a certain amount of money that you want to make sure you have in the bank or it's this perfect car or this perfect body or, or a designer label or something like that and, and none of those things in and of themselves are bad things. I desire many of those things. I am not against summer homes. I want one, or I want to borrow yours, okay? None of these things are bad. It's when these things become stockpiles of stuff to give us this temporary feeling of relief and this temporary feeling of comfort. That's when they keep us from the real life that we were created for. And when we feel scared, or when we feel out of control, when the future is unknown, when the diagnosis comes, when the breakup occurs, when the marriage is on the rocks, or when the marriage ends, when a family member rejects us, when the job just keeps getting harder, we try to gather up as much comfort as we can get. But comfort was not designed as something for us to go out and get. Comfort was designed as a gift to be given. See, here's what's interesting about comfort. Comfort is something that Jesus supplies. Comfort is something that Jesus supplies. It's not something that we go out and get for ourselves. Comfort is something that Jesus supplies. Comfort is a blessing. In fact, in Matthew, Jesus says that blessed are those who mourn, blessed are those who grieve, blessed are those who, who have lost something. Ever lost something? I've lost something. I've lost someone's. Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Comfort 
is a gift of peace. It's a gift of presence. Comfort can be a hug from a friend. Comfort can be this like knowing glance from a spouse when you walk into the house at the end of a hard day. Comfort can be found in a meal with a group of people that really see you and know you and accept you right where you are. Comfort is a gift. It is not a commodity for us to hoard. And the reason the struggle is real is because when life gets hard and we face fear, we try to move out of that zone of fear into a zone of worry, straight into a zone of comfort. You see, what happens is is that we find ourselves in this fear zone. Something's going on, we feel afraid, we feel overwhelmed, and we don't like this feeling. It feels terrible. And so we want to trade in this fear of zone, and we trade it in for worry. We start worrying about the fear. What can I do to make the fear go away? I'll just worry about the fear. And then we feel uncomfortable in this worry zone, And so what we do is we try to trade in that worry to just make everything nice and comfortable. If I could just get into the zone of comfort, all the fear and all the worry will be gone. The problem, the problem is that in this zone, in this comfort zone, nothing changes in our life. Now, you might feel a temporary relief in that zone but this is not where you were designed to live. You were not designed for the comfort zone. You were created for far more. God made you for far more than just the pursuit of comfort. That is not the place where God designed for you to live. You are not designed for a zone of comfort. You were intended for a zone of courage. He created you and he created me for a life of courage and the great battle of our life. The battle is not for comfort. The battle is for courage. It is not about ending our lives in the comfort zone. It is about living our lives in the courage zone. That's where you and I were intended to to live. But the struggle is real. The struggle is real. And as daunting as courage seems, you and I, we've already experienced many moments of living in the courage zone. Sometimes we psych ourselves out and we think, I'm not courageous. I don't know how to live courageous. But you are already living courageously in so many ways. There have been simple acts of courage in your life. Simple things like walking, okay? Walking. If you were created for comfort, you would have never fought through the tension of crawling and actually taught yourself how to walk. You would have stayed comfortable and you would have just crawled your way through life. Okay? Everyone would have been annoyed with it. <laughs> but instead, you got courageous. As a little one-year-old, you said, I got some courage in me and I'm going to start walking around. And you fell a few times, you ran into a few things, you might have gotten a few stitches on your forehead, but you learned to walk. Think about the words that you have already said today. 
If you were created for comfort, you would have never applied yourself to actually learn letters and words and phonics and sentences. You would still be requesting your food each morning by throwing your hands in the air and saying, ah, ah, more. That would have been how you requested food. But you got courageous and you learned how to talk and some of you have not stopped talking since then. Think about what you battled just getting here today. You're all sitting here very courageous today, whether you think you are or not. It's daylight savings. You lost sleep. Someone took an hour of your sleep. <laughs> but you got up. You came here. You may have already had six cups of coffee, but you won a battle over comfort today. You could be at home in your bed right now, but you chose to come here today. The fact that people change and grow and transform is one of the clearest indicators that God did not design us to stay in neutral. You were not designed for neutral. But if we're being very honest, courage sometimes seems very hard and very daunting and comfort really looks good doesn't it it's because comfort comfort is what we think we want comfort is what we think we want but the thing we need is courage comfort is what we want but courage is what we need we think, we think that arriving in a life of comfort, that everything will be okay. But courage is where you were designed to live. We were designed for so much more. We were designed for courage. And I want to take a look at a story in scripture today that illustrates this kind of courage so beautifully. So there's a Bible in your seat back or it's on the floor in front of you. I want to encourage you to grab it. We're going to turn to the book of Matthew this morning. The book of Matthew, it's found on page 600. And, 85, and we're going to look at Matthew 14 today. And we're going to work our way through one of my favorite stories in the New Testament. But I want to give you a little bit of context before we actually dive into the text that we're going to study this morning. What had happened is Jesus had just heard that his friend John the Baptist had been killed. And so Jesus um, was sad. He was, um, he was mourning over this loss. And so he decided to actually go away. And so he, he took his disciples and they went out into their boat and kind of just hung out on the lake. And later in that day, they came upon the shore. And while they got there, there was this huge crowd of people that had assembled, literally like over 5,000 people had assembled. And Jesus in that moment, the scriptures tell us that he, he had compassion for them. And so instead of trying to, you know, dodge out of there and go somewhere else, you know, so that he could continue to mourn and continue to grieve, he actually decided to stay. And not only that, he actually started to heal some of those that were sick. And the disciples kept trying to get him out of there. They kept trying to, like, get him out of the scene. And, and he said, no, 
we're going to stay here. And not only are we going to stay here, we're going to feed all of these people. And the disciples kind of looked around like, we're going to feed all of these people? Jesus, there's like 5,000 people here. So they look around and they see what kind of food is there. And the, and the scriptures tell us that there's literally five loaves of bread and two fish. And so they're doing the math and they're like, this ain't going to work. And so Jesus does some crazy miracle multiplication. And literally there are fish and there are loaves for every single person to eat. It says that there are literally baskets left over. So Jesus performs this amazing miracle. It's the only miracle that's actually recorded in every single one of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's an incredible, incredible moment in the life of Jesus. My gosh, he feeds 5,000 plus people with a few loaves of bread and some fish. And so where we pick up in the story is these are the events that just happened. And so we're going to start Matthew 14, verse 22. It says this, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone and the boat was already a considerable distance from land. It was buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. So, so you see what's happening here. Jesus is on the land, and the disciples are out on the boat. The passage continues in verse 25. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. Okay, let me just pause right there. I'll read that again. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. Okay? Jesus just kind of hoverboards himself across the lake, right? When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified, it says. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. And look, look at what Jesus says to them in this moment. Verse 27, take courage. Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. What does Jesus say for them to take? Courage. To take courage. Courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Jesus says, courage is right here in front of you. It is yours for the taking. It's I. Remember me? The, the one that earlier today just fed 5,000 people with a couple of loaves and a couple of fish? Remember, it's I. The one that healed the sick, take courage. And so what happens is one of them actually decides to take it. Verse 28, Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, well then tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water. Let me say that again. Walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You, you have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshiped him, saying, truly, you are the son of God. 
And I love this moment in scripture. In fact, a few weeks ago when Jared asked me to teach this lesson, I found myself um, going through all sorts of different moments of courage throughout the scripture. And I kept coming back to this one because this one illustrates so beautifully what it looks like to leave a life of comfort for courage. It is a perfect picture of the very real struggle when comfort is what we want, but courage is what we need. You see, 11 disciples gave in to what they wanted, didn't they? They stayed in a comfortable boat while Peter chose what we really need. Peter chose courage. He took it. He took it. And I love, I absolutely love that Peter began to sink because we get to see how real courage grows. It doesn't grow when we have a 100% possibility that we're going to always walk on water the very first time. That's not where courage grows. Courage started growing smack dab in the middle of his fear, didn't it? Peter had gotten, he's gotten some bad press over the years. And, and I'm here to stand for Peter today. <laughs> because Peter has been termed as the guy that started sinking in the water with Jesus. And here's what I have to say about Peter. There is no other human being other than Jesus Christ that walked on water whose name is in Scripture. You're welcome, Peter. <laughs> he got out of the boat. He got out of the boat. He didn't stay in the space of comfort. He chose courage. And courage is not the absence of fear. It's the acceptance of trust. It's not the absence of fear. You're going to feel all kinds of fear. You're going to feel all kinds of fear when you are taking courageous steps. It's when you know who you are looking to. Courage is not the absence of fear. It is the acceptance of trust. Peter was not void of fear. He was hanging out on the exact same boat with every other disciple. He screamed with everyone else and said, it's a ghost when they saw Jesus just strolling across the lake. Peter didn't have some sort of like 100% probability chart in front of him that assured him that he would be a very successful water walker on his very first time out of the boat. Peter didn't have time to build a pros and a cons list. Peter didn't take a moment and kind of like pull the disciples together and say, okay, boys, gather around, gather around. I got a question for us. Okay, those of you that think I should get out of the boat, raise your hand. Those of you that think I shouldn't get out of the boat, keep your hands down. Now, Doubting Thomas, you don't get to vote. And Judas, you only get one vote, okay? He did not, he did not have this moment. And the text says that when he saw the wind, he was afraid. He was afraid, Peter was afraid, but he also was as alive as he had ever been because he was smack dab in the middle of the single greatest moment of courage in his life up until that day. And Peter was not courageous because he shut down fear. Peter was courageous because he chose trust. Peter knew who to look at. He knew who to cry out to. He knew it wasn't about him stretching his hand out. He knew that it was the fact that Jesus has always and will always have his hand stretched out to us. Yeah. 
us stretching our hand out to him is not the moment of courage. The moment of courage is when we grab the hand that has always been stretched out to us. That is the moment of courage. He didn't let comparison and what everybody else was doing keep him in a cage of comfort. He didn't have to be in control of the moment before he was going to do the very best surfing of his life. He didn't let some old stories and some past lies in his head keep him small and insignificant. He didn't let any false beliefs keep him safe and inside the boat. Peter walked on water. He walked on water and courage only grows when we use it. Courage only grows when we use it. One of my favorite authors, Brene Brown, says that courage starts with showing up and letting ourselves be seen, and Peter sure showed up that day, didn't he? Courage starts with showing up and letting ourselves be seen. And Peter showed up. He showed up. And I have seen how this kind of courage grows in my life when I actually choose to use it. Frankly, um, I wrote out about three stories in my sermon notes of how I am taking courage in my life right now. And every single one of them was a comfortable story for me to tell you. They were stories that I actually felt most comfortable with you knowing. So even in my wanting to tell you about my courage, I was sabotaging myself with comfort. So instead, I'm going to choose to show up today and to let myself be seen. I'm going to choose courage with you. There are some amazing hopes and dreams that are kind of sprouting in my life right now. And um, I think they've been there, actually, for a very long time. But I've kept them very safely tucked into a box that has a very big lock on it. And right next to the lock is a list of all of the things that need to change in my life, things that I need to fix about me so that I can actually become courageous. And what I wanted to do was to just tell you about the dreams. I wanted to just break off the lock and tell you about all of the exciting things that I sense God is calling me into and how he's inviting me to walk on water. But I realized that that actually looked more like an act of comfort. And what was more courageous was to tell you a couple of the things on the list next to that lock. I battle 
with a fear that I am not smart. I have done loads and loads of work around this. I have made many, many counselors very wealthy. <laughs> but one of the core lies in my life is that I'm not smart enough. I don't have a very strong memory. I struggle to memorize content. I was never a great student. I was just an average student. And I do all sorts of things to camouflage this fear in my life. And when push comes to shove, I have this fear that I am not smart enough for those dreams to actually take place. And that my not being smart is what's going to keep those safely tucked in a box. And this battle in my life has left me choosing comfort over courage many, many times. I have another battle, another item on the list. And it has a story that goes with it. And the story goes something like this. Brilliant preachers and brilliant leaders are stunningly gorgeous. And they are disciplined in every area of their physical health. They're never lazy. They don't like bread. <laughs> They only eat kale. <laughs> they work out all the time. They're never gluttonous. And they don't struggle with their health. And this is an area where I sabotage myself and I choose comfort instead of courage. Another area where I have big dreams is what is happening here at Soul City. In fact, look around right now. Like, for real, look around. There's a lot of people in here and there's a bunch of people sitting in overflow right now. There was a whole lot of people here at the 10 o'clock. Not as many at the 8.30 because of daylight savings, but you know. <laughs> and the item on the list for me is do I really have what it takes? Do I really have what it takes to lead us into this next step of unbelievable courage as a church? And I'm sure as you looked around, you can see that it's kind of uncomfortable here these days, like physically uncomfortable. 
hard to find a parking spot. We know that drop off and pick up up at Soul City Kids is kind of like a game of leapfrog where like parents jump over kids and just to get their child to go home. We know that the seats in here are, are not really like business class on an airplane. They're kind of more like um, economy class and really more like the very last row of the airplane with the seats that don't recline right next to the bathroom. Um, and we're in some amazing conversations uh, as elders and as a stewardship team and as a staff team and as, as leaders around here. And we know, we know that God is calling us to take a step of courage, to take a step of courage into the future that God has for us. And we are praying and we are dreaming and we are asking God to lead us to take these big steps of courage this year. And I'm excited to tell you more about that throughout this year. But I'm telling you, oftentimes when I'm sitting in those conversations, the lie that's underneath all of the dreaming and all of the planning and all of the praying is, can I do it? Do I have what it takes? But friends, I know this to be true. Courage has never grown inside of a boat. It's never grown on the inside of the boat. Courage always grows out on the waves, and you are called to be a Peter in your very own way, to get out of the comfort of the boat of your life. You were created to be a wave walker. And wave walking is for everyone. It is not reserved for the spiritual elite. It is for you. It is for you. It is for you, the stay-at-home mom. It is for you, the lawyer. It is for you, the graphic designer. It is for you, the teacher. It is for the young and it is for the old. It is for men and it is for women. It is for everyone in every race. It is for the rich and it is for the poor. To walk on waves is reserved for everyone. For everyone, it is for you. There is an area of your life, and I am confident of this, that Jesus is standing in front of you, and he is saying just as clearly as he said to his disciples over 2,000 years ago, take courage, take courage, take courage. And you know, so often when I sit down to, to write these sermons, what I do is I try to like develop a, a really clear and nifty, awesome list so you're like, yeah, she knows me. She's got my area of comfort. Yep, she said exactly the area where I need to take courage. I don't have a nifty list for you today because I know that the Spirit of God has already been messing with you throughout this entire message zeroing in on the area of comfort in your life where he wants you to take courage. And friends, you can take comfort. You can. But nothing is going to be different about your life tomorrow. You might feel a little relief, but nothing will change. You won't transform. And nothing about the love that Jesus extended to us was comfortable. 
Nothing about his death on a cross was comfortable. He extended a love and a grace that literally cost him his life. And his death and sacrifice on the cross is the clearest picture of courage ever shown. And what's amazing is he is saying, come walk on the water with me. Come walk on the water with me. Take courage. It's yours for the taking. And so today, to um, close our time, we're actually going to move into a time of worship and in a time of communion. And one of the things that I love about communion is it's an opportunity for us to actually remember the sacrifice, to remember the act of courage that Jesus gave as he surrendered his life on a cross. And before he was crucified, he actually gathered some of his closest friends, those same friends that saw him walk on water. He gathered them into a room and he took a loaf of bread and he took a cup and he said, every time you get together, every time my church comes together, I want you to remember the act of courage that I am about to show. And he gave them some bread, symbolizing his body. He gave them a cup of wine, symbolizing the blood that he would shed. And he said, do this in remembrance of me. And so in a moment, we're going to invite you to actually come to the tables here at the front, and there's tables in the back. There's going to be a host team member that's going to actually come to your row and dismiss you and, and show you exactly where to go. We have, we have regular bread and we have gluten-free bread for you. And all you're going to do is just grab a piece of bread off of the loaf and dip it into uh, the cup. And as you take and remember what Jesus has done, I also encourage you in that moment to take courage. As you take the elements, may you also take courage. And so Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you walked on water. Thank you that your hand has always been stretched out to us. Thank you, Jesus, that you are the one that gives us strength. You are the one that gives us strength to hold our hand up to you, the one that has always had his hand stretched out to us. And God, would you help us to replace the comfort in our life with courage? Would you help us to trade it in today for a life of courage that you intended us to live? We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.